Throughout the ages, we have been captivated by and deeply moved by our natural surroundings. We form a relationship with it, often finding great comfort in a familiar tree or the serenity of a landscape. Humans have always had a deep connection to nature, and that connection is often reflected in many of our artistic endeavors. Throughout time, nature has been the inspiration behind a majority of our art, music, fashion, and literature. In fact, nature profoundly affects our storytelling. It can set the scene or a mood. From one simple picture or description of nature, we can evoke feelings of wonder, happiness, melancholy, loneliness, or even fear. Much of our folklore comes from just this, the way that certain landscapes or natural features make us feel. For instance, a sunlit forest is often a place of whimsy, full of magic and wonder. However, a dark forest is often a place of dread, where nefarious shadows move about and danger awaits. This is often why in most folklore, monsters, ghosts, and all things otherworldly and frightening seem to always come about at night. There are some places that are just naturally spooky, even in the daylight. Swamps and bogs are just such places. There's an air of mystery about them. The secret of dark waters and what lives just beneath fill us with a shuddersome sense of foreboding. Swamp water is often stagnant and the stench of decay that often wafts from them makes us associate swamps with sickness, misfortune, and even death. It's a feeling that has remained a constant throughout history and is something that has inspired countless stories of ghosts, curses, and mysterious creatures. It doesn't matter what country you live in. If there is a swamp, bog, or any type of wetland near you, odds are, if you dig deep enough, you'll uncover some spooky legends about it. Swamps are especially eerie at night and are often home to a wide variety of nocturnal animals, especially those of the creepy crawly variety. The sounds which they make, whether their own sounds or the sounds they create while moving about, can kick our imagination into high gear. It can cause us to imagine a wide array of vile and supernatural things lurking in the darkness. The cries of some of the creatures bring into mind images of vengeful spirits and otherworldly beings waiting for just the right moment 
to lure the living close to the waters and drag them into it. Some swamps have another unsettling feature, one which has terrorized many throughout the ages. Odd ghostly lights that can be seen moving about the swamp during the night. In England, it is commonly known as the Will-o'-the-Wisp, a fairy-like being who manifests themselves to humans as a wisp of moving light. Though friendly as that sounds, these little wisps are anything but. These little spirits are mischievous and often malevolent and use their bright light to entice people, often leading them to their watery grave. Of course, not all of the will-o'-wisps are fairy folk. Some of them are human spirits who are forced to roam the earth at night, unable to move on, either as a punishment for past misdeeds or due to unfinished business. Some of these spirits were thought to be those who followed the fairy lights and met their death in the murky waters below. These spirits wander the swampy area, using their light as a marker for their gravesite. They will continue doing so until their remains are found and given a proper burial. The other type of ghost lights are from those who are condemned to wander the earth, being rejected from both heaven and hell for the unsavory actions committed during life. One example of this is the legend of Stingy Jack. Jack, during his time on Earth, was a rather unlikable fellow. He was lazy, ill-tempered, irresponsible, and a drunkard. Now, Jack was a scheming type of fellow and made his ends meet by tricking innocent people out of their money. Now, it's unsure whether he was a straight-up thief or if he was what could be likened to as a snake oil salesman. But one thing is certain. Jack earned a living by tricking people out of theirs. But due to the nature of his work and the reputation it would bring about, Jack didn't often stay in the same area for long. His travels soon brought him to a small Irish village, a place which he took a quick liking to. The people were friendly, drink was plentiful, and best of all, his reputation had yet to follow him. During his stay, Jack spent most of his times in the pubs, drinking the days away. But as time passed, and his coin purse became lighter and lighter, Jack soon set about on the task of replenishing his funds. Now, unfortunately for Jack, he picked the wrong area for such an endeavor. The village and its inhabitants were all quite poor. It's difficult to con someone out of their money if they didn't have any to begin with. Now, normally, at this point, Jack would have moved on to another location, 
more suitable for his line of work. But since he quite liked the little area, he decided to come up with a new plan on how to sustain himself. During his time at the pups, he had heard many men speak of the Will-O-Wisps, the fairy folk who roam the bog at night. The legend had it that if you were brave and clever enough to entrap a wisp, it would lead you to its treasure in exchange for its release. So on a brisk October moonlit night, Jack set out to the bog with the intention of capturing a wisp, and as a result, it's gold. While making his journey towards the wetland, he encountered a dense fog, and Jack soon found himself unable to see where he was going. Determined to continue on with his task, Jack kept trudging forward. After a while, the fog lifted, and Jack was surprised to find himself at an old crossroads. And even more peculiar, he could make out the silhouette of a figure standing there just up ahead. Now, despite his lifestyle choices, Jack was actually quite a clever man, and he knew exactly whom that figure was standing just a ways before him. It was none other than the devil himself. He must have sensed Jack's desperation and need for a quick fix, and was obviously standing there ready to make a deal. Now, most people, upon this realization, probably would have turned on their heels and ran the other direction. But not Jack. Jack saw this as a perfect opportunity. Instead of entrapping a wisp, why not trap the devil instead? The rewards could no doubt be far greater. So Jack straightened his back, increased his pace, and made his way towards the shadowy figure ahead. When Jack stood before the devil, the devil, as Jack knew he would, presented Jack with a deal. He would fatten Jack's coin purse and trade for his soul. Jack pretended to be very interested in the deal and told the devil he'd like to talk about it more over a drink. The devil, unsuspecting of Jack's plan, agreed. And with a nod of his head, he and Jack were sitting at Jack's favorite table in his favorite pub. Jack told the devil that before he agreed to sign the contract, he'd like to see proof that the devil could indeed produce his end of the bargain. Well, the devil smiled and told Jack to check his coin purse. And as Jack looked inside, it was indeed filled with gold coins. The devil told Jack that if he signed the contract and trade for his soul, the devil would ensure that Jack's coin purse would always be filled as such until the day he died. Well, Jack told the devil that he agreed to sign, but not in the pub where wandering eyes could see. 
Jack suggested that they sit high up in the old oak just behind the pub and sign the contract there. Perhaps the devil was too focused on his greed and the thrill of acquiring another soul. As such a powerful being, surely otherwise would have been able to see through such a simple plan. However, the devil did not. And with a nod, both he and Jack were up in the tree. But for a moment, Jack feigned the motion of going through with it. He took the sharp pointed pen, which was intended for him to pierce his skin and sign with his own blood. However, instead of using the pen to carve into his arm, Jack swiftly used it to carve a cross below where he was sitting into the bark of the tree. Thus, trapping the devil, as the devil cannot cross the symbol of the cross. Well, as you can imagine, the devil was furious at the treachery, but was also quite impressed. So he allowed Jack to make a deal of his own. Jack told the devil that he would scratch out the cross to free him if he agreed to let Jack keep the gold already in his purse and to never bother him again. With a smile, the devil agreed, and Jack spent the next few years living a quite happy and comfortable life. But as it goes, all good things must come to an end. And a few years later, Jack died. But due to his dealings with the devil, he was denied entry into heaven. And to his surprise, Jack was also denied entry into hell. Instead, the devil told him that he would spend the rest of eternity roaming the bog at night. Now, because the devil was still impressed over how Jack had tricked him, he gave Jack a hot coal to keep him warm during those long nights. Now, it's said that Jack took the coal and put it into a carved out turnip, making a lantern. And that's how his roaming spirit became known as Jack of the Lantern, or Jack-o'-lantern. Now, the Will-o'-wisps and Stingy Jack aren't the only legends involving swampy areas and mysterious ghostly lights. The Great Dismal Swamp in the Eastern United States is another swamp that has had its fair share of hauntings. Since its discovery, the swamp has fascinated all that have lived near it. It is home to ghostly lights, which glide across its waters. These lights are said to be the spirits of those who have died or been laid to rest within the murky waters. It's said that these ghostly lights are for the most part benign and often serve as warnings, helping those who may be unfamiliar with the land, warning them of the landscape's hidden dangers. Now, despite its name, the Great Dismal Swamp 
is actually quite picturesque. It has a special sort of beauty all of its own. The great trees that come out of the water, especially when shrouded by the early morning fog, put off a haunting, yet oddly enchanting feeling. It's a type of place where you can almost feel a strange sort of energy in the air. And it can be both beautiful and incredibly eerie at the same time. The one thing about the area is how deceptively dangerous it can be. The trees make the water look rather shallow. However, the waters are often much deeper than they let on, and they have claimed the lives of countless people. It's no wonder then that the swamp is home to many ghostly legends. The earliest ghostly legend associated with the swamp is a Native American legend about the ghostly lovers. Two lovers were set to be married, but the day before the ceremony, the bride-to-be was found dead. She was laid to rest in a fine white canoe, which was to be a wedding gift. The canoe was then filled with stones so that it sunk to the bottom of the swamp. It's said that the groom-to-be was so overcome by grief that he spent all of his time sitting at the spot where he watched the burial take place. It's said that he soon gave in to madness, and he would often scream into the night air, yelling out his lover's name. When friends and family came over to try to calm him down, he would tell them that he had seen her, his love, out in the middle of the water, attempting to paddle the canoe back to shore, and she was surrounded by a brilliant light. But the next night, the young man again sat by the waters, and again his love appeared in the canoe, surrounded by that same brilliant light. This time, without hesitation, he jumped into the waters and attempted to swim towards her. Now the thing about the waters of the Great Dismal Swamp is that there are many hidden dangers just below the surface. There are roots, rocks, and other things that one can get tangled up in. The young man was never seen again, and it's said that he drowned in those dark waters in attempts to join his love. Local legend has it that if you are out by that part of the swamp, on certain nights, you'll see two brilliant lights side by side gliding across the water. It's said that those two lights are the reunited spirits of the young couple. There are all sorts of other ghostly tales to explain the odd lights that whisk about the swamp during the night. And the lights have been associated with all things supernatural, from UFOs, to ghosts, to even being a signal of an otherworldly portal 
opening up. But there is a scientific explanation for those strange lights seen at this and many other swamps around the world at night. In some swamps, the brilliant light is created by a type of bioluminescent fungus or algae. Like fireflies, the fungi and the algae are able to create a chemical process which allows them to emit light. With these, it's something that is short-lived and only happens for a short time during the year. Now in some areas, these mysterious swamp lights are created when certain gases released by the swamp mix together, causing them to combust. Swamps are full of decaying plant and animal matter, and often these decaying materials will sink to the bottom of the swamp during their decomposition process. While these materials continue to decay underwater, gases such as methane, carbon dioxide, nitrogen, and phosphines slowly rise up out of the swamp. Now, when phosphines hit the outside air, they're known to combust. And since methane is a combustible gas, you would have the right ingredients for a nice bright burning ball of light that seems to rise up and float along the water. Due to their desolate and often haunted looking nature, throughout folklore, swamps have often been known as cursed land. They're portrayed as containing a sort of evil, a curse, which has often been cast upon the land by an angry or vengeful practitioner of magic. And this is exactly the case for the Manchak Swamp, which lies about a half hour outside of New Orleans. The Manchak Swamp is quite a yucky swamp. It's very murky, oozing with thick swamp slime and swarming with insects and alligators. It's all around a rather unfriendly place, which made it quite the fitting home for Julia Brown. In 1880, Julie and her husband moved to the area as he was given a 40-acre plot of land by the federal government, an agreement that most of it would be used for farming. While her husband worked the farm, Julia worked as a local folk healer, or medicine woman, if you will. Since there were no local doctors in the area at the time, the townsfolk relied on women like Julia to help them with all of their needs. Julia acted as a midwife, created herbal medicines and tinctures, and also practiced spiritual healing as well. Julia was known as a voodoo priestess, and many came to her not just for her healing services, but for all matters of spell work and fortune-telling as well. She was well-loved by the locals and was known by many as Aunt Julia. When she wasn't at work, she would often be seen sitting on her porch, playing her guitar and singing. 
1914, Julia's husband passed away, and the land became hers. Now, after her husband's death, Julia's manner became a bit cantankerous. She still helped those who sought her services, but it seemed that she had finally grown tired of having to solve everybody's problems all the time. And at this point in her life, she wasn't afraid to let them know. Now, her favorite thing to do when people sought out her fortune-telling was Julia loved to predict destructive events in the lives of the town folk and for the town itself. And she did this with such supposed accuracy that many began referring to her as the Oracle. It's said that at night, the air would be filled with the sounds of her strumming her guitar and making up songs about the disasters she predicted, which would often be followed up with a bellowing cackle. In early 1915, she began singing a new song to all those she encountered that stated that one day she would die and everything would die with her. It was a song that many thought odd, especially the way she seemed to take such glee in singing it. Some thought that she meant nobody would be able to carry on after she left, while others were sure that this song had a much darker meaning. In October of 1915, Julia's time came and the entire town mourned her passing. It was decided that since Julia had no surrounding family, that the townsfolk would get together and throw an elaborate funeral in her memory. On October 2nd of 1915, as Julia's casket was on display for those wanting to pay respects, a monstrous storm broke out. Now this storm was actually the beginnings of a hurricane. And by 2 p.m. that afternoon, it was in full force. The funeral home was ripped apart by the massive winds, and those in attendance of the funeral were all killed as well. The town was struck especially hard by the hurricane, and the devastation was so great that according to legend, all but two were killed. Throughout the state, that hurricane claimed the lives of over 350 people. Now, the hurricane also caused the waters of the swamp to rise, which took over most of the area, swallowing up many of the homes and businesses built close by. Even to this day, it's not uncommon for human remains to rise up out of the swamp and float ashore. Julia did indeed take the whole town down with her. And oddly enough, legend has it that one of the few buildings that was spared by the storm was Julia's home. Many say that she still remains there. And if you happen to brave the alligator-infested waters to visit her home, it's said that you'll still hear the sounds of her scream-like cackle echoing through the area. 
Now, the interesting thing about this particular tale is just how much of it can be proven to be true. There really was a woman by that name who practiced folk medicine and was known to sing those strange songs. However, many claim that the song that Julia sang wasn't actually a curse, as many people say it was. Instead, they believe that the song that Julia was singing was a warning. Many believe that she was trying to warn everyone of a premonition she'd had. Either way, it seems that Julia's song was spot on. Oddly enough, Julia Brown is not the only run-in with the supernatural that the Manchac Swamp has had. There's something else that lurks about in the swamp, and it's in no way human. It's a beast, a monster known as the Rogaro. The Rogaro is a monster that lurks about the swamp. It's tall, hairy, has a dog-like face, and yet it walks about on two legs. Some believe it to be some sort of demonic monster, while others believe that it's a human who has been cursed. Now in this version, the Rigaro is a bloodsucker and will pass on the curse to another by biting and sucking their blood, kind of like a doggy vampire. The curse lasts 102 days, and afterwards, the curse will pass on to the next person. It's said that those infected with the Rugaro curse have no knowledge of what they have done while in that form. Other than being quite poorly for those 102 days, there are little signs to be able to discern if a person is a Rugaru. Now, though these monsters roam about all the swamp lands in Louisiana, the most commonly cited one is the one that lurks in the Manchok Swamp. It would seem that swamps and monsters seem to go hand in hand. Almost every single swamp, especially in America, seems to not only have ghosts, but monsters lurking about as well. If you think about it, what better a location for a monster? Some of our most well-known and endearing monstrous cryptid tales take place in the darkened wetland waters. One of the most well-known swamp monsters in America is the Lizard Man of South Carolina. On a cool June night, in 1988, 17-year-old Christopher Davis was on his way home after getting off of the evening shift for a summer job. Since it was such a nice night, Christopher decided to take the back roads and was taking delight in speeding down the winding South Carolina back roads, enjoying the feeling of cool wind whipping through his hair. He effortlessly whipped the car around the curves but, as it often happens with new teenage drivers, he got a little too sure of himself. 
he ended up taking a sharp curve a little faster than he should have, which led to him swerving off the road and driving the driver's side tires into a narrow ditch a little faster and a little harder than he would have liked. Now he managed to ride himself back onto the road with no trouble and let out a sigh of relief knowing that no damage had been done. But as he went a little further down the road that led through the scrape ore swamp, he felt a bump and the car jerked for a moment. Then he heard the telltale smacking sounds of a flat tire. It would appear that his run-in with the ditch was not as benign as he had thought. Well, Christopher found a place a few feet ahead to pull over and got out of his car to take a look. Sure enough, his back driver's side tire had blown out. Christopher felt his heart race as a small surge of panic shot through him. He'd only changed a tire once, and that was with his father's help. He honestly hadn't really paid much attention when his father was trying to teach him, and he had no idea how to change a tire. Even worse, since he had taken the back roads to get home, there was no one he could turn to for help. He felt a lump beginning to form in his throat, and for a brief moment, he felt like crying. He had no idea what to do, and he didn't even know if he even had a spare tire. But he knew he had to at least give it a try. Christopher walked back over to the driver's side door, opened it up, and fumbled around near the bottom until he found the lever to pop open the trunk. Then he walked to the back of the car, lifted up the trunk, and began to fumble around inside feeling around for the cover to the compartment where the spare tire was. After he found it and opened it up, he was relieved to see that everything he needed was there. He even found a flashlight and some batteries that his father must have stashed away for him there. Once he got everything out of the trunk, he set to work. He grabbed the car's user manual out of the glove box and began following the vague instructions for changing out the tire. And to his surprise, the whole task was actually a lot easier than he thought it would be. However, just as he was beginning to secure the new tire, something happened that would haunt Christopher for years to come. While Christopher was putting on the new tire and getting it into place, he heard what sounded like heavy footsteps coming from up behind him. Since his back was to the swamp, this was especially unnerving. But he chalked it up to some sort of animal, a possum perhaps. But as the footsteps grew louder and closer, causing the hairs on the back of his neck to stand on end, Christopher could feel that something was standing not too far behind him and he could swear that he could feel its breath. When Christopher gained enough courage to turn around and look behind him, what he saw terrified him. There, just a few feet behind him, was an absolutely horrifying sight. 
It was a large humanoid-like creature, but there was absolutely nothing human about it. In fact, the only human-like thing about it was the fact that it stood upright on two legs. The rest of it seemed more lizard-like than anything else. For a moment, Christopher stood frozen, staring up at the thing, taking it in and trying to make sense of its strange features. It had rough, scaly, greenish-like skin, long, thin arms, which ended in three sharp black claws, and a head similar to a lizard's. The head was a bit smaller in comparison to the rest of the body, its face ending with a long, lizard-like snout. But it was the eyes of the thing that terrified Christopher the most. It had large, slanted eyes. Slanted eyes which seemed to glow an angry, fiery red. They were almost hypnotic. Suddenly, the thing let out a horrible noise. It started as a guttural gurgle, but then escalated into an ear-piercing shriek. It was enough to shake Christopher from his spell, and he scrambled as fast as he could to the driver's side, jumped inside the car, and locked all the doors. However, this did little to stop the beast and its fury. The thing jumped on top of the car, ripping off the side mirror and cracking the windshield. Then it began smashing its arms into the roof, gouging into it and ripping it apart with those large claws, as if the car were made of thin aluminum. Christopher screamed in terror and began desperately shrieking for help. He knew it was of no use. He hadn't seen another car since he started on the road. And he was certain that his time had come. He watched helpless as those large claws came down closer and closer to his head, ripping larger and larger gashes into the roof. It would only be a matter of seconds, minutes at the most, before the roof would be gone and that thing would have him. Christopher closed his eyes and silently begged for a miracle. Perhaps in answer to those thoughts, or perhaps just a stroke of dumb luck, a car began heading down the road towards them. The car's high beams seemed to scare the creature away, and it jumped off the roof of the car and ran back to the swamp at a fantastic speed. As soon as the thing left, Christopher leapt out of his car and managed to wave the oncoming car down. When the car stopped, he told the man driving it about how he had been attacked, but left out the details of by what in fear the man would think he was crazy and not help him. The man, after seeing the damage to the car, assumed Christopher must have been in a wreck and was perhaps in shock, thinking it had been an attack instead of a wreck. He drove him to the nearest police station where the teen told his full story about what happened to the police. Like the kindly driver, the police also assumed the teen was in shock or perhaps even trying to cover up the fact that he wrecked the car. However, 
Christopher's bizarre encounter would not be the last by any means. Over the years, there have been many people who have claimed to have not only encountered similar creature, but also under almost identical conditions. Almost every lizard man sighting starts out the same. A car driving down the lonely back road during the wee hours of the morning and suddenly gets a flat tire. When the driver pulls over to inspect the damage and check out the tire, that's when Lizard Man makes his move. The beast chases the person back to their car, jumps on the roof, and begins ripping the car apart. There have even been police reports made about such instances. One summer, the attacks happened so frequently that the local police had even considered contacting the FBI, but later decided against it for fear that it would bring bad press and the mockery that would follow it. The strange thing about Lizard Man is that the creature is only seen during the warm summer months. Sightings always stop as the autumn settles in and only seem to pick up once the heat of the summer has returned. What makes Lizard Man truly unique is how seriously many of the locals take the story and how much the legend is a part of South Carolina culture. In 2017, during the solar eclipse, the South Carolina Emergency Management Division posted a tweet for residents to be careful and remain vigilant as there were concerns that the creature may become active due to its seemingly nocturnal behavior. But unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on your point of view, Lizard Man stuck to the murky depths of the swamp and was not spotted during this event. There is really no real explanation for what Lizard Man could really be. Some people think it could be some sort of strange interdimensional creature, while others think it could be a member of an alien race known as the Reptilians. However, some think this creature's true origin is that it's just a crazy guy dressed up in a suit. Some sort of unstable person seeking to get a thrill out of scaring people and damaging property. So what do you think the Lizard Man is? Do you think it's some sort of strange, otherworldly creature? Or do you think it's some crazy guy in a rubber monster suit? Now what's really fascinating is that Lizard Man isn't the only swamp monster of its kind in the United States. All across the country, there are similar tales of similar swamp dwelling creatures. What's really interesting is just how similar the creatures tend to look and how most of them seem to be nocturnal and often unpredictably violent in nature. Another popular swamp monster is the Selby Bill Swamp Monster, a creature 
which lives in the swamps of Delaware. There is a strange creature that lives in the burnt swamp in Selbyville, Delaware. The burnt swamp gets its name to the many fires that have occurred there. The first fire, known to have broken out, happened in 1782, and the last in the 1930s. Now, the 1930s fire was the most devastating, and the 1930s fire was completely caused by people. Now, the 1930s fire destroyed most of the vegetation there at the time, leaving behind just a few scarred cypress trees. Now, today, all the vegetation has grown back, but those old scarred trees still remain, and it's said that there are mysterious forces at play with those trees. Some say the spirit of the land itself is vengeful over that man-made disaster, and the area has had many strange and mysterious occurrences associated with it. There is a particularly old and gnarly-looking cypress tree, scarred from the fires, that is known as the witch's tree. The witch's tree is also known as a witness tree. Now, back in the day, especially during the 1800s and early 1900s, witness trees were used to mark territory, and they were also used as markers for historic events. Now, this particular witness tree was said to mark the territory of a Civil War battle, and it's said that the spirits of this forgotten battle still linger. Folklore has it that at night, various multicolored lights can be seen floating around the swamp and floating about in front of that particular tree. Many people believe that these ghostly lights are the spirits of those soldiers. But there's another bit of folklore that ties into this tree and its mysterious lights. When you say that these lights aren't spirits, but they're a sign of an opening of another worldly portal. When these lights appear, so does something else. A strange creature known to the locals as the Selbyville Swamp Monster. Legend has it that since that 1930 fire, a strange beast has haunted the swamp, perhaps seeking revenge. There are all sorts of stories of people's cars suddenly breaking down on Route 54, that road that runs along the swamp. When the person gets out of their car to investigate the problem, the swamp monster appears, terrorizing them, and sometimes even capturing them. Now, in the 1960s, the swamp monster made headlines when a journalist supposedly captured a photograph of it. But years later, the journalist admitted that the photograph was a hoax. The monster was just his friend dressed up in a homemade costume. Now you would think that the admission of this hoax in 1987 would have caused these monster sightings 
to stop. But that's just not the case. To this day, there are numerous accounts of people seeing strange lights and then encountering the dreaded swamp monster. <laughs>